Good evening, everyone. Uh, thank you for being here. Welcome to our Bible study in the book of Romans. We are already in lesson 17. In other words, we thought the, you know, the book of Romans uh, was going to last a long time, and here we are already halfway through. But welcome anyhow, and we want to welcome all our viewers via uh, viewers by social uh, via social media, and as usual, bisaka da gi pozdravim svite makedonci što ste sključeni bo ovoj živ prenos na učenjeto na Biblijata. Amen. Lesson 17 is titled God's Invincible Love. Romans 8, 31 through 39. In verse 31 of Romans chapter 8, Paul asks a question. If God be for us, who can be against us? I like what the writer of this lesson wrote concerning this. He said the statement that God is for us cannot be taken to mean that God takes our point of view in disliking those we dislike, for instance. Whenever or wherever people practice discrimination, cruelty, oppression, or injustice, and claim that God is on their side, they are guilty of maligning and distorting this verse. God is for us may lead some to think of a vague sort of benevolence such as a congressman who is for the constituents of his district, though in reality he may know very little about them, Mo about most of them. In this view, God is a permissive, grandfatherly figure either out of touch with sin or forgetful of it. We know that that is simply not so. Such distorted views of God fail to reflect the true and full essence of God. I submit to you, brothers and sisters, that God is holy, eternal, almighty, sovereign, and totally self-sufficient. Amen. He does not need anything or anyone of his creation. But all creation and we, his prized creation, need him. Can I get an amen? amen? In that aspect, we may conclude that he is neither for us nor against us. Bob, what do you mean? Well, there were two people that fell in the same trap on account of this statement here. One of them was Joshua at the Battle of Jericho, and the other one was Abraham Lincoln's military advisor. When Joshua saw the angel of God, which was Christ, pre-incarnate, he asked the question, are you for us? Or are you against us? 
the angel responded to Joshua, nay. He didn't say, I'm for you or I am against you. He just simply said, nay, which means I'm not for you or against you. And then he stated the reason he's there. He said, I am here as captain of the armies of the Lord. Glory to God. And the other person, Joshua was in the Bible. The other person is not in the Bible. That's Abraham Lincoln's advisor, military advisor. And he came to Abraham Lincoln and said, sir, I hope God is on our side. To which wise Abe, as they call him, as he's known, replied, it's not my concern, sir, if God is on our side. My concern is if we are on his, because he's always right. That was the answer that Abraham gave. God chose the Israelite as a people for his name. We read in Deuteronomy 7, chapter 7, verses 7 8, Moses reminding them why God chose them. He said, the Lord did not choose, set his love upon you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people. But because the Lord loved you. We're talking about the invincible love of God, okay? It says that because the Lord loved you. It's the same with us in Acts 15 and 14. James speaking says how God at first visited the Gentiles to take out a people for his name. The Israelites failed to bring praise and glory to God. And so God says, I'm going to find me a people that will praise me and glorify me. And so he says how God at first visited the, gent the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. That's us. But this time God was not selective like he was with the Israelites. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Once again, we are talking about the invincible love of God. We know that God is for us because his word tells us so. He the word of God tells us that he is. Romans 5 and 8. But God demonstrated his love. Another word for demonstrated is God proved his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Even so, since we know that God is holy and sovereign, he is in perfect order to say to us individually, as he said to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, I have somewhat against you. He might say it to Brother Ernie. He might say it to me, to Wayne, Sister Ward, Sister Stella, Sister Jackson. 
But even then, it is only as a reprimand as the good shepherd that he is to keep us from going astray. His loving kindness. And by his mercies, he gathers us again and again. The Bible tells us that Christ, I mean, the lesson uh, also tells us that Christ is our defender. Satan, Satan is known as the accuser of God's elect. However, the word of God tells us that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, the invincible love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. To him, I say, be glory and honor and power and majesty and dominion, both now and forever. Amen. God's love for us is invincible. Nothing, the Bible says, can separate us from the love of God. And we have that assurance from Christ. He said, what the Father has given me, no man can pluck it out of my hands. Uh-uh. You, you remember the Kung Fu movie? Where uh, Cain had to snatch the pebble? Well, he succeeded. Nobody is going to succeed in snatching us out from Christ's hand. Amen. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, praise God, but it, it's good. I liked it. <laughs> All right. We're going to go to the questions now, praise God. Amen. The questionnaire. God's love. I tell you what, if you are not, uh, why did Paul accomplish what he accomplished? He says, the love of Christ constrains me. In other words, this is my motivation. God loved me so. And if we are going to accomplish anything from God, it has to be motivated by love. Love asks nothing in return. Christ gave his life because he loved us so, and he asked nothing in return except to follow him. Romans 3, I mean 8, verse 38 and 39, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rules, rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ, the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. In, in question number one is, God is for us. According to the following verses, who or what is against us? That should be a very simple answer. Anybody? Yes, Lay. The wicked? No, nothing can be against us. The wicked can be against us, but you name it, and when, you, when it's all said and done, nothing can be against us because nothing is able to separate us 
from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Psalm 37, 12 says, The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. I see what you're saying now, Brother Lath. But still, nothing can separate us from the love of God, not even the wicked. Now, just think about it, uh, saints, when this is what happened when Stephen uh, was stoned. Before, they, uh, before he was stoned, before he was thrown in that uh, area where they stoned people, the Bible says they came on him and they, and they gnashed, uh, gnashed at him with, with their teeth. They were biting him. That's how uh, that, 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 that only tells me that there was a strong suppression of, 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 of submission to God. In other words, the word of God was really pricking their hearts to the point where they were gnashed, gnashing their teeth at him. And of course, we know that they finally stoned him. Under B, that was under A, Psalms uh, about the wicked, about gnashing their teeth at them. Isaiah 59, 12 says, For our transgression are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. Anybody who care to make a comment with that? This is basically saying that more wickedness. And uh, at the times we live in, I believe that more wickedness is coming our way, but we have nothing to worry about. Uh, yes, sir. Our own transgressions. There you go. Thank you. Can be against us and keeps us from getting to the Lord where we ought to be. Brother Dave, please. Uh, yeah, Brother Bob. Uh, just to uh, add on to what uh, Brother Ernie was saying, uh, I think it's talking about uh, our awareness of our transgressions or our conscience. Mm -hmm. Our conscience is against us. If right. you don't believe me, <laughs> we talked. Uh, we talked about the uh, condemnation a couple of lessons ago. Yeah, your conscience won't let you forget a lot of things, and uh, you end up kicking yourself uh, over and over and over again, beat yourself up. You know, sometimes you can beat yourself up worse than the devil can. <laughs> so, uh, That's a good so way to our, put our it. conscience is ever with us, and we 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 have a good good memory of, of, of our uh, mistakes, failures, sins, and transgressions, iniquity, or guile. Yeah, it's 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 Bible, whether you know it or not. But it says if our conscience condemn us, God is way greater than our conscience. And it's not good to uh, keep searing your conscience with a hot iron. If something is not kosher with you, if you keep covering it up, 
there'll come a time where you be overcome by the very same thing. And that's why we need to deal with sin while the Holy Spirit is convicting us of it. Under C, 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant. Now, this is the answer to keeping uh, and staying in the presence and grace of God. Because uh, be sober, be vigilant, because the adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking who may devour whom he may devour. Stay alert. This is all I wrote here. Stay alert. How do you stay alert? Number one, prayer. Number two, the word of God. Those are two main ingredients. Question number two. In addition to verse 31 and 32, uh, read also Second Peter 1, 3 to 4. How can we be confident of victory in the face of such foes? Yes, sir. Just grab the mic, Mark. Uh, Dave. His divine power and glory. His divine power and glory. Enable us and carry us through. Other than that, nope. Amen. Amen. Anybody else would like to make a comment? Yes, sir. It, Please. Uh, it says that uh, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We're partakers of the divine nature. Now, it doesn't make us little gods, uh, but a piece of God has been put in us. And that power, and remember, it's, it's the same power that's going to resurrect us from the dead. Amen. It's all right here, folks. Uh, the heart. Take care of the heart. Out of it, the Bible says, proceed all the issues of life. And if you take care of the heart, you're taking care, actually, what this means is you're taking care of the inner man. Though the outward man perishes day by day, the Bible tells us that the inner man, if we stay in prayer and in the word of God, is renewed daily. Daily, it says. That is, that is great. That was on the question number two. Question number three, what answer do you think Paul, radical, uh, rhetorical question, questions from verse 31 demand? 
Anybody got verse 31? Romans uh, 8.31. If there is no, anybody got their hand up? Go ahead, brother. Exactly. That's how the, that's a that's a theme of our lesson. If God be for us, who can who can be against us? We should be confident that God is well able to take care of our body, soul, and spirit, which we have committed to Him. Any other answers on this? Moving to question number four. What does verse 31 tell us about Paul's view of God? Meaning, God who spared not his own son, but delivered him to be crucified for us. Oh, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Any comments on that? Is that question four? Question four, yes, sir. Yeah, basically, he's just saying God's omnipotent. He's stronger than any other, any other force, any other enemy, any other thing that can come against us. God is greater. Amen. And so if you have your trust and your faith in him, <laughs> the ride's going to be all right. <laughs> oh, praise God. How would you paraphrase Paul's logic in verse 32? God wants to give us a more abundant life. Anybody would like to comment on that? Dave? Maybe you want to sit so you, could, you don't have to shove the Mike so much, if you don't mind, but that's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> the Father, <coughs> excuse me, the The Father gave us His only Son. I can't stress enough. Uh, I personally cannot put a value or define the word, the two-letter word that said. For God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. Who can put a value to it? I don't think anybody can. It's, 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 uh, well, God is uncomprehensible anyways, but thank God he has given us his word, and we have Christ who came to bring us even closer to the Father through him. Amen. Moving on to Romans 8, verses 33 to 34, Christ at our side. Who is our accuser before God? Revelation 12, verses 9 and 10, and the dragon was cast out. It's, he's been, this is the devil when he was cast out of heaven. Uh, and they give him four names. First, they call him the dragon. And then they call him the old serpent. 
And then if he's called the devil. And the fourth is Satan. And Satan, which deceives the whole world. How often does the devil accuse us? Uh, Danny, what'd you say? When the devil tempted Christ, the Bible, the Bible says he departed for a season. But we have to face the enemy on a daily basis. If you don't, then you have achieved the level in God that I would be very, very envious of. <laughs> Praise God. We are tempted on a daily basis. Well, then you're right. There's no two ways about it. And if he leaves us, and he may leave us for a season, well, I don't know if that means a whole season, like maybe the whole summer or something? Like, no, I don't think it means that. If it says that he leaves us for a season, it's talking about for some time, for a while. And he's back at it. But one of these days, he will be cast into that lake of fire and then we'll have, how's the song say? We'll have no tempter then. When Jesus shall come back again. According to 1 John 3, 19 and 20, what else, I mean, what else accuse us? What, what, brother, please. Um, our heart. And you know, like you said earlier, when we give our whole heart to him and not keep a little room in there for our favorite sin, <laughs> we need to give our whole heart to Jesus. You know why? Because he gave his all for us. Amen. Good one, brother. He gave his all to us. And uh, he expressed his jealousy with the Israelites. Didn't, did he not? He says, I'm a jealous God. Mm. Hello? And you don't you don't want God mad at you. <laughs> our own heart, and like I said earlier, if our own heart con condemns us. He's greater than our heart or greater than our conscience. How should we handle changes from either of these sources? I wrote, this question is open. In other words, I'm going to entertain answers. I don't have an answer. Brother Ernie and I are talking. This man sometimes asks a question where it's hard to find an answer. Isn't it, Brother Ernie? <laughs> Okay, it's open. 
how should uh, we handle changes from either of these sources? In other words, Charges? It's change. Oh, it's charges, not changes. Okay, I got it now. I'm sorry. <laughs> How should we handle charges from either of these sources? Go ahead, brother. Uh, Who is, uh, question number nine, who is the one who should search our heart? We all should know this according to the Psalmist David. Anybody know that scripture? The Lord. Search me. You know, search my heart. Know me. And let me know if there's any wickedness in my heart. That's what Dave was saying. I don't know about you, but I've prayed that prayer. I have prayed that prayer many times. Well, why do you say that, Brother Bob? Because the Bible says the heart is an unruly evil. Desperately wicked, the Bible calls it. Who can know it? Brother Bob? Yes, sir. Uh, I've also prayed that prayer. I don't like praying that prayer because he usually answers it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but David is pleading with God. He says, search my heart. And if there be any wicked ways, show it to me. Well, I'm all for that. I want you to know. Glory be to God. Praise God. Question number 10, verse 34, focuses on the only basis of our defense. Christ's finished work. What progressive steps do you find here in his work on our behalf? We're, we're not going to be made perfect overnight. Go ahead, brother. Well, he, he died for us. He was raised for us. And he intercedes for us at the right hand of God. A lot of people find this kind of like childish, if you don't mind me saying that. If the Bible says if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We are admonished that when 
we don't, I, I don't believe any one of us willingly sins. We are caught in a situation. But the Bible admonishes us to go to him. Because the, the, the enemy immediately begins to work and try to lead you astray. And that's why people fall by the wayside. But the, the seed, the Bible said, that fell in good ground, they, we go to Christ. And Peter asked the question, how many times should I sin against my brother and forgive him? And he says, seven times enough? He said, no, 70 times, seven. Go ahead, brother. Brother Bob, I, I found the answer It says, wash, rinse, and repeat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, That's we a have good the, one. We have the finished work of Christ, but what do we do if the sin problem arises again? We go back to the same place where we got cleansed the first time, and we just repeat the process, re repentance and faith in Christ. I want you to know something that, you know, I, I don't know what kind of view you have of me, but I have failed. But I immediately turn to Christ and ask his forgiveness. Well, the more I go to him, the less I go to him. Because he helps me overcome. We are overcomers through him that loved us. And so what I'm trying to say by that is the same thing does not have any uh, much effect on me anymore because by Christ we can through Christ we can become we are overcomers the Bible says. That was question number 10. Question number 11, when trouble or hardship come, where's God? This is a good one. Doesn't it seem like God is so far away that you need the Hubble telescope to get us to get, you know, get in sight, <laughs> so to speak? Anybody would like to comment on that question? He never leaves his he's his ever present. Omnipresent means he's there all the time. His promise is I will never leave you or forsake you. Anybody else? In the word of God, yes. I like that song. When trouble surrounds us, when evils come, the body grows weak, the spirit goes numb. When these things beset us, he doesn't forget us. He sends down his love on the wings of a dove. I, I tell you what, we are blessed people. I don't think we know. Uh, we we fully comprehend how blessed we are 
this is Christ doing. I will pray the Father, and he will sell you, send you another comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. And he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. He is our defender. Praise God. Six Ed's wife, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember her. Been, there's been angels and Christ himself appeared and uh, the Bible says he vanished out of their sight. 
Question number 12, what does Matthew 13, 20 to 21 tells us about the danger of difficult times? This made me think of the parable of the sower. Go ahead, anybody? Yes, brother? Sometimes. Don't forget to grab the mic. Yes. The seed is, oh, the seed is sown on rocky ground and it, it doesn't, you know, it's not there anymore. When you go through difficult times, it's important to know where you're sowing your seed that your trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ because the enemy will use those difficult times to get you to doubt God mm-hmm. and be disillusioned, depressed, all the above. Anybody else? It pays to be rooted and grounded in love. In the end, Paul said, but the greatest of these is love in Christ. Who is the way, the truth, and the the life and the truth? Who is the the way, the truth, the life, and the way? Question number thirteen: What do what do the following verses tell us about how God responds to our difficulty? Is he turn our, his shoulder to us? Is he cold towards us? He's not caring. What what do you have to say about that? What does the following verses tell us about how God responds to our difficulties? I'll take a stab at it. Yes, sir. Amen. Tell us, brother Dave. Tell us, brother. That's in verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 9 in the psalm. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble, and they that know thy name will put their trust in you. You can't trust God, man. Who can you trust? For you, Lord, have not forsaken them that seek you. Psalms 10, 17-18. Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou will prepare their heart. Thou will cause thine ear 
to hear to judge the fatherless and the oppressed. I love what the Bible says that even though we are not faithful, yet God remains 100% faithful. Sorry, I had to put some emphasis into that. Do you see? Do you understand? Because that's the truth. Verse, uh, question number 14. According to Romans 8, verse 37, how might a believer handle difficulties? This should be simple. Anyone? How are we supposed to handle difficulties? Brother, go ahead. We overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. More than conquerors. Brother, I like that. God bless you. It's not long after you say, Lord, I got this. You guys, I ain't got this. <laughs> I've been there. I can tell you firsthand. I had to, you know, like I said, very shortly after, I said, Lord, I ain't got this. I turn it over in, in your hands. It's the truth. But why? No flesh is going to glory in his presence. You don't have the means or the ways to take care of yourself as far as your spiritual life is concerned. You must rely on Christ or his death on the cross is in vain. Didn't he tell his disciples, without me you could do nothing? Well, who? give me a definition of nothing. Nothing, thank you. No. Ta-da. Hey, Brother Bob. Yes, sir. I think we should uh, dig into what is more than a conqueror. We know what a conqueror is, someone that can conquer. And my mind goes back just a few years. Remember when we invaded Iraq? It was, it was, it was like overwhelming force going in in just a few days. They had conquered the country. But the problem was trying to hold peace after the conquering. Yeah. <laughs> Remember all the trouble and all the, oh, the yeah. terrorism oh, and all yeah. that? Yeah. See, but we are more than conquerors. When, when sin rises up against us, we have the power in Christ yeah. to be more than a conqueror. Praise God. We can Amen. overcome sin and, and we can live above it. You know, that doesn't mean we're not going to make a mistake after that. Of course not. But we don't have to be a slave to sin. That's right. That goes That's back right. To Amen. A previous brother. theme in Romans. Amen. 
by trusting God that he is more than able. He is more than able. Ephesians 3.20, our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what we can ask or think. And that's glory to God. That's terrific. That's marvelous. Praise God. That he is so able to do above what we can ask or think. Question number 15. What do you think it means to be more than conquerors? If there's no one, we can just, we already kind of talked about this uh, in the previous uh, question. The enemy is out of our souls may put, put up a fight, but he is no match for Christ in us. Praise his holy name. Question number 16. How do we become more than conquerors? Now, this is the, the answer is in John, First John, verse uh, chapter five, verse four. You want to read it, brother, brother Ernie? Yeah. You got, yeah. you got it in there. Yeah. Yeah. First John five, verse four. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our victory has been won. I have never been able to grasp completely when they say, you'll hear preachers, teachers, theologians say, we do not fight for victory, we fight from victory. In other words, the battle has already been won on Calvary. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 38 and 39, God's unshakable love what words will you, will you use to describe Paul's attitude as seen in these verses? You want to read uh, 38 and 39, brother? Romans uh, 8, 38 and 39.
Which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Brother Bob? Yes, sir. Reminds me of that. Uh, remember the old Baby Ruth uh, commercial? No mm. matter how you slice it, it always comes out peanuts. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Paul, what he's doing here, he's covering every conceivable angle on what could possibly uh, separate us from, from, from the love of God. Yeah. He covers every angle. He comes up with the conclusion that there's nothing, nothing can separate us. That is an absolute truth. However, what about us ourselves? The Bible tells us that Paul had a follower that went with him. His name was Demas. And then Paul goes on to say how Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world more than God. Might as well say it. I have often said I have two enemies in this world. The first one is the devil. The second one is me. I am my worst enemy. I believe if everybody was to be honest, they'll make the same confession. We must express total, total dependence on God. We must practice it. And no, 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 we ain't got it. He's got it, we ain't got it. And because he's got it, we got it. Glory to his name. Under B, that was under A, what great truth underlies Paul's attitude? In other words, what is the significant cause of the basis of Paul's attitude, even if not manifest or obvious? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. I mean, sometimes it's just uh, plain and simple. Paul begged the Corinthians, he says, I beg you, brethren, lest like the serpent, the, the, you know, beguiled Eve shall beguile you to depart from the simplicity that is in, that is in Christ. He's got it. We don't. And because of him, and through him, we have the victory. Praise God. Praise God. The work on the cross. Uh, number, uh, question number 18. What do the following verses add to your understanding of God's love? We all know John 3.16. John 10.10 10 says Jesus, uh, Jesus talks about the devil being a thief who has come but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that you may have life, that you may have it more abundantly. And so 
the question once again, what do the following verses add to your understanding of God's love? I think a lot of people have a hard time believing that God loved them, loves them so. I ran across a person like that. I was installing a door. As you know, I'm a residential door installer. And I don't ever approach anybody about uh, with, with, with a plan of salvation. However, I never miss an opportunity when it and of course one thing led to another and she is totally convinced that God cannot help her. She has gone too far. She has so offended God that he, he and despite my effort to convince her that these are, these are lies from the pits of hell and a very liar himself, nothing to do it. She was so convinced that God cannot help her. And that is just simply sad. There is no case that's too hard for him. It's been proven over and over. Yes, brother. Brother Bob, uh, concerning uh, the question, uh, under, uh, what adds to our, what, how do these verses add to our understanding of God's love? John 3, 16, he gave his only begotten son. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't trade my kids for anything. <laughs> but yet God, in his love, traded his son for our salvation. And in uh, John 10, 10, I have come that they may have life. Not just life. Not just life, but they, but, but to have it in the fullness uh, it's life abounding. Mm -hmm. life abundant life, yes. Uh, abundant life. Not just existing, not just being alive with a heartbeat, but having joy along with it. <laughs> I don't know abundant life in this life and after that, li life eternal? What do you got to be sad about? That's true. Why are you going to walk around like Eeyore? Don't do it. Hey, before I met Jesus, I knew what it, know what it was like to exist. Yeah. yeah. And to and, and being just miserable. Yeah. <laughs> but when I I tell you what, when Christ came into my life, I, I would. I, I, it was a night and day experience. The, I mean, God. the very moment. I mean. My troubles lifted off my uh, chest, and uh, Amen. and I know that something something magnificent happened to me. It wasn't just it, it wasn't a fad this time, and it wasn't a phase this time. It wasn't something uh, that I, I was going to do for a while and then let go of. This changed me. This, this did something to me. Amen. The love of God it, is an awesome awesome thing. Praise it, God. It will not leave you the same. Amen. Well, brother, I, I can't I can't go without, you know, really briefly sharing my testimony. Uh, you you look at it, at a guy that was so depressed 
that I could not even lift my head, I could not eat, I could not sleep. Uh, just day and night for a year and a half. I, I actually started making preparation to get my house in order, so to speak, because I didn't even see a way out. I was going to die. And that's when I began to, Sister Worf and Sister Stella, I remember Sandy Johnson, she worked for my dad at, at, at his bakery. And uh, isn't that something? This is, this, is, this is good. I have to share this with you. In my total destitude, depression, and, and walk, dead man walking, that's it. When you're depressed, you're a dead man walking. And then all of a sudden, this is what I mean. That Christ in us should betray us. What I mean by that is he should be seen in us. And I looked at Sandy. Now I want you to know there was no physical attraction to her whatsoever because I was depressed and miserable. But there's something in this girl's face that went beyond. I, I had to ask her. I said, do you go to church? She says, yes. I said, I want you to take me there. I wanted to make peace with God and die. Instead, I was totally delivered. Johnny Atkins called for prayer. And... Right in front of the altar, there was people here and people there. We went through, and when I, whoever touched me, more than one person, but just like I felt like a zap from glory, and I went like this and kept going, and I knew something had happened. I said, well, Brother Bob, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. I went home, and I knew that I was delivered. And guess what? I called my psychiatrist, which I've been seeing for this whole time, and I said, sir, your services will not be needed anymore. I go, I'm sorry. I'll come in one more time and tell you what happened. And so instead of a, a session with him, he sat there and listened to me give my testimony how God has completely healed me. Glory to God. That's what happened. And uh, when, 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 it, when I first fell on my knees in the backyard of my house, I was so desperate and, and so, I said, God, either take me or set me free. Well, you know what that means? You called on the name of the Lord. You said, God, I, I, I didn't say take me and left it at that. I said, either take me or set me free. Well, guess who he likes better? I'll set you free. <laughs> I didn't have any more to go. That's not a sinner's prayer. And so all I kept hearing from the very from the moment that I got up off my knees in my backyard, all I kept 
all of a sudden I could hear way down here, hold on, everything will be fine. Hold on, everything will be fine. That's all I had to go on. And everything went fine when I ended up at the Church of God of Prophecy, Taylor Wick Road, Johnny Atkins, the pastor, Bishop Atkins. Praise God. I was delivered. Amen. What, where were we? Uh, 19. In Paul's comprehensive list, do you find any gaps or loopholes? Anything that could threaten to separate a believer from God? One, two, three. Nothing. If there, was, if there was anything that could separate us from God, God would be a failure. But it's impossible for him to fail. Anybody would like to say anything about that? Is there anything that could threat, even so much as threaten to separate us, a, uh, separate a believer from God? Are we satisfied with nothing? Like Sister Wharf says, like you said, accept ourselves. Number 20 gives them examples of circumstances that you find threatening. I don't know about you, but I will share something with you. Ever since I read the scripture about Jesus saying that offenses must come, but he says, woe to that person by whom the offenses come. He says, they will come. It, it says, it must needs be that offenses will come. And so, when I read that scripture for the very first time, and he says, Christ goes on to explain that it's better for a man to take a stone and tie it around his neck and cast himself in the depths of the sea than to offend one of my these little ones. And so, with all my diligence, I guard against offense. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Just think about how Christ stands to defend an offended. He said, it's better for him that a stone were tied around his neck. Millstone. Yes. I don't know if you ever seen one, brother, but I, you know, I come from uh, the, the rural uh, village, they call it. They didn't call it city. It was a village. Our house was uh, mortared uh, on the outside with mud. Not mortar or cement or whatever, mortar. No, it was mud. And very primitive life. No electricity, no nothing. 
forgot where I was going with this. Anybody, uh, that, that was the last question. Does anybody have any comment or anything you'd like to say? Uh, yes, Paul. I was uh, talking about, I guess, call it Finley or not, but over this last weekend there were several mass shootings. I don't mind telling you, I was angry. And you say, God, why it is why you allowing us? Well, you think about, well, I'd like to have been at the back door because this news commenter said, well, they'll go in the front door and out the back, be on the street again. I said, I'd love to be at the back door. That's, you know, they said, God so loved the world, he loved the world. And it's hard sometimes to take take that stance when stuff like this goes on. I mean, hundreds of people were shot over the weekend just for the heck of it. It's just that uh, it's beginning to happen more frequently. People don't think twice about taking out a gun and start shooting. Brother Danny, please. Invincible love, who can separate us from that invincible love? Amen. We can we can chew on that for for the rest of the week. So Pastor Willie comes back on Sunday. Amen. And give us another helping. Amen. Praise the Lord. But uh, nothing can separate us from the